Yes, it is us again on air. How are you, Samuel? I am really well. How are you? I'm very good as well. We that was a that was a bit of a rocky one, wasn't it? Hallelujah band with the Gaither vocal band. So that was a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. It was a lot of fun to bring us into uh, into the program. That's well, exactly. for our regular listeners. Uh, they will know that we are doing a little bit of a series on the gifts of the Spirit or operating. Well, actually, we're doing a teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. If people want to join us live, they can do that by going to Samuel Chisichetti's Facebook page because he is running live in the studio. And so there is some um, fun interactive things that he does in between (laughs) while the songs are on to anybody that's on our... um, uh, yes, on that live stream. So, uh, so certainly you can uh, see his lovely face and uh, and his big smile, and uh, and you can interact with him and uh, send him little messages on the phone. Um, but you last week we introduced the whole thing around um, the gifts of the spirit. You you we read um, the scripture passage in Corinthians and uh, and. You sort of gave us a bit of an outline of what we're going to be looking over for the yes. next three weeks. Yes, yes. And, and so answering this question uh, is not only important uh, for the unbelievers or non-believers who don't understand certain things that used to be quite common within the culture as far as, uh, you know, uh, biblical uh, truth is concerned. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, these things have become a bit obscure to uh, the you know, uninitiated, if you will, you know, those who are not going to church. But also there's a lot of uh, confusion or uh, probably sometimes even sort of negative portrayal uh, of these these gifts. So I think it's extremely important uh, for the believers to interact at least with Scripture and stru- scriptural thoughts uh, on these questions. Now, uh, the, the question we're looking at is, you know, answering the question on the gifts of the Spirit. And when we started out, I just laid out a bit more about, you know, the few hermeneutical questions one needs to do uh, in terms of looking at, you know, the book who wrote it, the people, you know, to whom it was written. And, you know, so we were going to be delving into what Paul was communicating here. But before we started, I think I looked at the fact that, you know, there is a bit of a, I can't say divide, but different point of views uh, within uh, the Church of God, uh, you know, the divide goes to as those who say not not never touch these, these gifts seized gone, that's it, uh, and so there's a bit of, you know, talking about them extremely negatively, uh, at least negatively of anybody who goes venturing in the territory, and then it's probably s- specific ones that they don't touch because I think uh, some of them they might touch, but yeah. others they. Yeah, they they are a bit uh, negative about. That, that's that's quite an interesting point there, uh, because you know specific ones that are they tend to have a bit more uh, of you know a, a supernatural touch, which yes. is a bit hard to to sort of interact with it from a reasonableness point of view. And so th- those ones that uh, they totally demonize, you know, like the, especially the, the 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 last three of the cluster. We, we call we call them gracelet. You know, the the word uh, gifts is the word charisma. You know, charisma uh, is the word gift mm. in Greek. And so when you take uh, the plural of charisma, it is charismata. 
So the people who use, who engage with these gifts are called the charismatic. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so that's where that comes from. That's where the word oh, charismatic comes from. Charismatic churches, yes. The charismatic are those who basically believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still for today. Mm. And so and so you've got that, that different point of view. And uh, so I did engage with those who say these are seized and looked at the, at least the most sort of, prominent argument I've seen, uh, you know, uh, for the secessionist position. I looked at that. And I looked at those who uh, are to the other extreme, say they use these gifts, they just simply jump in there, messiness and all, just do it. And um, so you, you, you get that, and then you get those who are cautious in the middle. Like, you know, they're like, well, no, we don't want to touch that because of the abuse. Mm. And so... And that's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. but... Fair, but fair, not fair enough. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah, fair, but, but not fair enough. Yeah, but people have been um, have been led astray by so-called I, I get some, some of those gifts, and so they're probably so. Therefore, I take hesitant. more of a reasonable, balanced, the biblical position. Yeah, which is that the Bible doesn't say forbid the use of these gifts. The Bible doesn't explicitly say that they have seized that the secessionist argument is very weak. Uh, actually, even biblically difficult to justify, but the what those who are cautious, cautious to say, "Hey, we've seen abuse, therefore just walk away." Mm. Uh, I say we don't use that kind of reasoning in every other, you know, life circumstances. You know, you see a lot of people be using fake dollars. You don't decide now. I don't want to touch any currency. We don't do that. Okay. You know, you see somebody driving, you know, abusing the road rules and driving poorly on the street. You don't go, from now on, I'm not going to touch my car. I'm not even going to drive it. We don't do that. No. It's, it's an overreaction. Yeah. Uh, the best way to go is the biblical way is to look at exactly what the Bible teaches and be able to utilize these uh, gifts, at least pursuing them from within the, the biblical scope. That's what we should do. That is a more reasonable biblical position mm. because Apostle Paul actually encourages people to seek and pursue the gifts. And by the way, you will notice that, you know, if, if I've always wondered if, if these things had ceased, why is it just the gifts have ceased and everything is like, you know, the gifts of administration, governance, leadership. Why those ones haven't ceased? They gifts as much. Mm. Uh, you know, why is the pastoral gifts, like the ministry gifts, you know, being a pastor or evangelist? I mean, those two are still accepted. But, you know, the prophets and the, you know, teachers. Okay, teachers are accepted, actually. You get yes. people with the ministry of teachers. What is this selectiveness we have about what Scripture teaches? Mm. I mean, are we meant to start establishing our own judgment above Scripture? I don't think the people intend that. It's just... I can see, you know, a bit more oversensitive to the abuses. So let's go the biblical way. It's the best way to do it. Mm. And so today we wanted to sort of start, I, I did say that we can group these, you know, I mean, this is not sort of doctrinally solid. It's, just, it's a, a biblical approach that different, you know, people have interacted theologically with these gifts, have clustered them. If you're not convinced by the clustering, you've, you've, you know, it's okay. You can uncluster them. You can uncluster them. <laughs> I've right. just simply clustered them for better understanding. Yeah. And so the text we were looking at is First Corinthians chapter 12. I think I'm always, uh, a, a, I think it's always uh, we need to honor Scripture. We need to respect the Word of God by actually reading it. 
So we need to go to the text and read it. And I want to make a couple of points um, before I actually start looking at the first cluster, which we're going to look today. But let me let me just read read this uh, quickly uh, now. It will help us just out of respect for God's word. First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. If you've got it there, open them. Reading King James. Now concerning spiritual gift, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Yea, ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts by the same Spirit. There are different differences of administrations by the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, not mm. for common good. Yeah. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, uh, gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kind of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. I'm going to stop uh, uh, verse 11 there. Yeah. Now I want to make uh, you know, a few uh, points that need to be noted is that when you look at your reading of the text, like what kind of writing is this? This is Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And when he's writing this letter, he's in Ephesus. This is about 50, 55, most theologians recognize. And so it's after having been written, I think, the letter to the Galatians. You know, you got a broad spectrum of the writing of the Apostle Paul when he writes. Some are pastoral letters, you know, he's talking to his you know, young protege about, um, like Timothy or Titus, about how to guide and lead the church. Some are personal letters, like Philemon, you know, is writing to a friend, you know, welcome this, you know, runaway slave who has now given his life to Christ. Now, whatever he done to you, put it on my account, is your brother now. Personal letter. Yeah. And you get some letters, most, uh, letters that are just uh, a theological expose, like Romans. He had never met the church in Rome, is writing to them, and so he has just to address all the solid theological uh, broad questions. And then you get letters that are written to the churches that he had himself built. Yes. These are the letters that I like the most, mm. to be honest with you. You know why? Because Paul here is addressing things that these churches had asked. The Corinthian church had sent him a letter. They had asked a bunch of questions. And most of the question was in relation to things that were going wrong in the church. Mm. Dissension, division, sexual immorality that was going on in Corinth. And the misuse of the gift of the Spirit. You see, as to answer to my brothers who are too cautious about not, you know, not having the messiness in the church, I have always thanked God for the Corinthian church. If they did not make the mess of the Holy Communion. Yeah. All right? 1 Corinthians 11. Mm. If they didn't make a mess of the sexual relations, relationship between husbands and wives, sexuality as Apostle Paul frames it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If they didn't have that messiness, he wouldn't have addressed it. 
Mm. And if he didn't address it, I wouldn't have known what is the best way to actually look at these questions. Yeah. So, in a certain way, God is big enough. The messiness, yes, we, we want to sort of make sure. I'm not saying just go open up your church to all sorts of messiness. Just stick to scriptures and allow some room for people to make mistakes. Yeah. And then if you are biblical, you can correct them. Mm. You see, and so you know, I'll get when I get to you know, gift of speech and tongues and stuff like that. We'll talk about that, but I wanted to at least make, make the case to say, thank God for the Galatians, thank God for the Corinthians, thank God for the Thessalonians. Mm. All right, thank God for these churches, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians. Thank God for these churches because Paul could write to them to address the things that were misunderstood or misconceptions. So. That is a more positive way of, of looking, looking at it. Yes. At it. All right? <laughs> yes, that's right. So, if you're happy, we can actually start to look at some of these. You, you, you're good? We can look at? Uh, yes, we can, uh, we can have a little bit of a look. Right. Now, I'm just going to uh, keep, uh, you know, uh, we did the clusters. Uh, if you were with us last time, we said there are three clusters to these gifts. Uh, number one. You get the gifts of revelation, mm-hmm. which I explained, yep. uh, where the wisdom, where the knowledge and discerning of spirits. And then we said the gift of power, faith, healing, and working of miracles. And then the gifts of speech, vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Mm. Okay, which we will explain as we go. Let's start by at least a little preemption. Uh we're going to be talking after we've had a probably breather, which is better. Uh, you're starting with the gift of wisdom. That's going to start there. That's going to be the first one. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And this is Q&A with Samuel Chizikedia, and we are looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And you are about to launch into our first little group. Yes, let's all start with the first cluster, and it's Word of Wisdom, Word of Knowledge and Discerning of Spirits. So let's start with Word of Wisdom, because that's where Paul starts. And I'm just going to start with my own personal note. Uh, I know that Apostle Paul says that prophecy is the one that needs to be pursued the most. And and, and so that encourages the, the Corinthian church to do that. But I consider Word of Wisdom to be uh, quite, in, in my view, the most, the most important. Um, so let's start by looking at Word of Wisdom right here. Mm-hmm. Let me make a few, a few comments. I want every Bible readers who read the Old Testament need not to separate the Old Testament from the New Testament from the Old Testament. All right? Yep. These terminologies are used within the Jewish context. Let me, yeah, this is not a revelation, just reminding people that Jesus was Jew, yeah. a Torah believing Jew, mm-hmm. and he read the Torah. Him and his disciples read the Torah. And when they started to preach the message of the gospel, it was within the Jewish context. You know, they didn't go and just borrow some paganistic, uh, you know, uh, you know, beliefs. Terminology and everything. Yeah. No. So, when you hear word of wisdom, the first thing that comes to mind is wisdom. And you know that wisdom, it, there's a lot of literature within the Old Testament about wisdom, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like now that he's saying to the Corinthians, saying to them something so weird and so new. So, in fact, when you read these gifts in, in, in the first Corinthians, Paul doesn't even take the time to explain more. He just enumerates them. Yeah. 
You know why? Because, I mean, why would you be enumerating something to people who don't know it? If you've never heard of it, you will say this and explain what it is. Yes. So he was actually enumerating them because they knew what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay? So these people had the concept of what he was talking They were actually, the Corinthian church was the most gifted of all the churches. That's why, you know, the use of the gift was quite a bit, you know, way out there. Mm -hmm. Now, so wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, let's start there because I can sort of give you the definition of where the wisdom is a gift. Let's start about wisdom first because that's, that's, it's the thing that's quite it, it, it important there. Many people, you know, use the word wisdom all the time. It's written in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the supreme thing, the principal thing. You know, get wisdom. With all you're getting, get understanding. Everybody knows that text, okay? Yeah. You know, you, you read, you know, Proverbs chapter 8. You know, wisdom is crying out in the street. You know, you know, Proverbs tells you by wisdom, God created everything, right? So wisdom is supreme, is very important. And so now we're looking at the Holy Spirit giving the gift of wisdom. Mm. Oh, well, the one who gives the gift is the one from whom the wisdom is coming, right? So it is his wisdom and he gives us the gift of that wisdom, right? Yep. Gift of word of wisdom. Now, the word wisdom, Sophia, um, you know, you know, you can look at it from within the biblical con context. Wisdom is very different from knowledge. Knowledge is informational. They are sort of close. W knowledge is informational. Wisdom is directional. Yes. Right? Yep. Wisdom is directional. Yeah. So, I, I have a, a, a very, like, a really good working definition of wisdom, which I think is solidly biblical. Uh What's wisdom? Those who are part of our church would, would know this definition. I'll, I'll give that definition and I'll justify it biblically. Wisdom is knowing what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, with whom to do it, and why to do it. You see what I mean? Yeah. You've got these six lineup. I think it's five or six lineup. I could say it in another way. Wisdom is knowing what to say, how to say it, when to say it, where to say it, to whom to say it, and why to say it. Okay? Yeah. Let me try, try and sort of give you, if you ever said the right thing to the wrong person, <laughs> <laughs> it goes all wrong. If you said the right thing to the right person, but in the wrong possible way, Mm -hmm. So how you say it matters. Yep. You can say the right thing to the right person, the right way, but at the wrong possible moment. Mm -hmm. that once one of those is out, the whole structure collapses. Yes. You can say the right thing to the right person in the right way, at the right moment, in the wrong possible place. Mm. You can say the right thing, the right person, the right way, the right mo way, at uh, the right time, the right place, but for the wrong possible reasons. So, wisdom is more directional. It is being able to do what ought to be done in the right moment, at the right time, speaking it to the right person, uh, or doing it with the right person. That's what wisdom uh, is. Now, here's, here's a working definition for word of wisdom. Uh, I picked this up from uh, a gentleman that I have a lot of respect for. I mean, I consider him a distant mentor of mine, uh, Mr. Ken Fish. Uh, here's what he says. is utterance given by God and spoken by an individual gift of wisdom, word of wisdom. It reveals the total wisdom of God. It is seeing what God sees in a situation and applying God's wisdom. Okay. 
Okay? Yeah. Now, there is no debate to whether God is all wise. No. When we say God is all wise, we say God knows what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to do it, to whom to do it. Mm -hmm. Something that God may say to you that may make sense to you, God may say to someone else and it may absolutely not make sense. It might actually revolt them. Yeah. You see what I mean? What I'm saying is you can say the things that you say to people, you will sort of measure this one here. If I say this to him, he will, he will understand it. This one, if I say this, they will get it. They will take it on board. Uh, you know, in that sense, God gives us is with God is never mistaken. He says always the right thing at the right time, in the right way, to the right person, you know, in the right, you know, right, uh, you know environment for the right reasons. Mm. Let me start by giving a bit of a, a, a quick testimony. When I was an atheist and, uh, you know, I'd gone everything and then I was about to take my own life. And here I was about to commit suicide. And I had this thundering voice. Uh, that I could not deny, which simply said to me, now I know it was the voice of God. I knew then it was the voice of God because I argued with him. He said, if you kill yourself right now, you're a coward. What do you say to somebody who's in that kind of desperate situation? And you're going to say that you're a coward? Well, that sounds insulting, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But guess what it did to me? It made me come back fighting. It made me absolutely come back like uh, you know, I was up. Uh, you know, I was like, "How dare you call me a coward?" You know, <laughs> where have you been all these years when I was when I was struggling, when I was alone? You know, yeah. and so, and that was God knowing what to say to me. Mm. If it was said to someone else, it, it could have created a totally different response. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so in that sense, they, that was the right thing to say to this, you know, karate master, strong-headed, <laughs> you know, the guy who always thought he knew everything. Uh, it was the best way to sort of get, get me, you know, up, up and to, you know, wake up. Yeah. Sometimes you just think you can hear God laughing in the background, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> so now, let me give you some some, you know, biblical example. I want to start with Old Testament. I'll give you just a couple of examples to sort of show our word of wisdom works mm -hmm. biblically. Okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. So nobody disagrees with me that God knows what to do, when to do it, when, where, and that. Nah. Nobody disagrees We're with me. all on the same page. So that definition there is biblical. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Now, here is a text that everybody would know, which I would like to sort of, uh, you know, first king, let's start with, because the gift of the Spirit didn't just simply just appear in the New Testament. It's all the Spirit operated. Because yeah. remember, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's operated throughout the Old Testament. And so we will see examples in the Old Testament and examples in the New Testament. Now, the New Testament has got abundance of these examples, but some in the Old Testament will still give us a good sense. Everybody knows the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. The Solomon had just become king. Yes. He went to God, and what did he ask for? Wisdom. Wisdom. And so God said, all right, since you didn't ask me for wealth and stuff, I'll give you what? Wisdom. So gave wisdom and much more. And wealth and than what else. Yes. Yeah. And the first case that shows up in Solomon's court is the case of the two women fighting over a child. Mm. All right? And so the two women are fighting over the child, and Solomon is the case brought to him. And Solomon goes, okay, after having heard the case, he said, give me a sword. Uh, cut that child in half. What kind of judgment? <laughs> think about that. It sounds... I mean, would we actually... What would we think if we were sitting in a court and a case like that had happened and we heard a judge just go, well, look, bring that child, cut the child in half. 
when even the people in the jury go, oh, what? what? Have you lost your mind? You can see this wisdom that Solomon is bringing here was not, it's not like it, it could be done any and everywhere. It was timely. Mm. Number two, the people to whom he's speaking, one of the women, the woman who had actually lost the child and stolen the other person's child, it's called, yeah, 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 go ahead, just split the child, we all go to miss the child anyway. Mm. Now, that, this kind of wisdom of God highlights the hidden intents of people's heart. Yes. By putting it that way, the reaction of this woman, I can tell you, it's not every woman that will react like that. Another woman, even if she had stolen the child, she could be crying, saying, no, 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 it's my child. She would never say, just kill him. Because in that moment, the wisdom of God revealed what was in the heart of this woman. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say, this kind of word of wisdom are not like acquired wisdom that is applied every and anyway. They are circumstantial, mm. they are specific, and they're directional. Mm -hmm. And so Solomon, uh, the other woman is like, no, please, I'd rather she has a child and I'd rather the child stay alive. Solomon is like, well, that's the mother. Yeah. That is, that is the thing that made Solomon the most famous of all kings, resolving that issue. Mm -hmm. It took divine wisdom for, and that is a gift of God. I, uh, nobody can see, there are ways to learn wisdom. You can learn humanly, you can acquire wisdom. By trial and error. Yeah, experience. You made some mistakes, mm. then you learn from your mistakes. People like that, they're called the simple. The simple learns from his mistakes. Now, some mistakes you might not recover from. So don't learn by being simple-minded, okay? Mm. The fool is the one who does not learn wisdom by observing the mistakes of others. Yeah, makes them himself. <laughs> Somebody's just made a mistake in front of you. Just yeah. learn. Yeah. You don't go, no, I don't care. I'm going to do my own so I can learn from no. Mm. That is being a fool. Yeah. But the wise is the one who learns from the mistakes of others. And the most wise is the one who learns from the one who makes no mistakes. Mm -hmm. God himself. God himself, yeah. So if God imparts you wisdom, God says, a little step up, do. Hey, do be. Do see. Whatever he tells you to do, it's in the right time to do to the right person in the right way, in the right moment, and so on and so forth. So this gift of revelation, it basically opens a curtain to the directive knowledge and wisdom and application of God himself, the way God would do things. Mm. So that if you were humble, you see, the, the fear of God is the beginning, the beginning of wisdom, right? The person who reverences God, when God gives you a piece of his instruction, it is all wise and you won't argue with it. With, the, the Bible says, my child, you know, hearken unto wisdom, don't deal not on your own understanding, right? Yeah. So wisdom is being able to be open to God's directive. And so you can get those kind of... Let me give you a, a, a New Testament... Uh, I can talk a lot about this. <laughs> yeah, no, you can. Uh, New Testament example. <laughs> um, let's, let's take Matthew chapter 22, verse 18. Jesus, where, you know, they brought Jesus and wanted to trap him. So they come and ask him a question. Hey, should we pay taxes? Mm. And listen to the wisdom of God. Extraordinary. Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, this is word of knowledge. I'll get to that in the next step. Knowing what they're thinking, he says, give me a denarius. And he asks a question. Whose picture is on here? Caesar's. All right. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto God what is God's. He answered that question with such wisdom that the people who wanted to trap him could not. No. That is wisdom, you yeah. see. And it's, a, it's followed by word of knowledge because he knew what they were thinking. 
some people, even knowing what people are thinking, are so unwise, they will lash out with a word that will just simply stir up trouble. Mm. You see? So the wisdom of God is directive and it gives you timely instructions for the moment so that you can, it can be wisdom toward you, towards someone else. Mm. Somebody comes up, they've got a situation, and you go, okay, well, look, this is the way to go. Can I give you an example in my own personal life? Well, dealing with someone else. Uh, you know, a lady came, came to us many years ago, and she, not here, in, in, in Congo, and she had had, you know, an unfortunate sort of, you know, sin that she'd committed, or a fault, a mistake, but a sin. Uh, she was married, and she ended up with, you know, another man, and she'd gotten pregnant. Very serious case. Mm. So she comes and she talks to us about it. And so she's repentant. It's, um, the child is grown. She's struggled with this thing in her heart. What should a pastor, a church leader, be pursuing in that moment? You want the truth to be known, but also you don't want to damage this marriage. Because you want to make sure that the word of God is taught so that the marriage is protected. So what does the wisdom of God do? Now, if you are wise, you can just call the man. Hey, look, there's a situation in your house. And it's boom, things go, right? Yeah. Right. So because the gifts are for the sake of building, edification. Yes. yes. That's the sake. So we had to make sure that we exhort her in the Lord. She repents. Then we take the time to exhort her husband, teaching the ways of God, understanding of God's ways and forgiveness and everything. And then we give them the chance for her to reveal that when his heart was already prepared so that then he can go, okay, I've actually loved this child like my own. It hurts. I struggle with this. But I've no, I know now what God's word is. I will stick with my wife. I'll forgive her. We save this marriage. Right. We save this family. That is the wisdom of God. Now, that, it's not everybody's got that kind of wisdom. No. You know, so, and it's not humanly. This is, I had never dealt with a situation like that before. And that is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get on to the next one. Oh, amen. What a great song. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And we are looking at the gifts of the Spirit and we've just had a bit of a session on wisdom and we're moving on to the next one, are we, Samuel? Yeah, so we, we started out looking at the gift of Word of Wisdom. So it is a word uh, of the wisdom of God. In other words, what God would do in a set of circumstances, God with all his all wisdom then would open the curtain. Remember, these are gifts of revelation. Yep. And it said, you do this. Mm. This is what I would do. This is what I want you to do. So this wisdom is very directional. God gives you the direction. And it doesn't mean that people will always obey it. But if one obeys what God say, directs them to do, then they have acted Wisely, I was going to give, you know, there's tons of examples in the New Testament. When you read your, now, from now on, as you start to read your Bible, observe the apostles and Jesus, and with the working definition, you can see how the wisdom of God works. Let me give you an, uh, one, one more example in the New Testament. Word of wisdom. Uh, and then I go to word of knowledge. It'll it be good. Uh, word of wisdom, right here. Uh, here is Acts chapter 4, verse 34. Uh, uh, Acts chapter 4 verse 34, all the way to Acts chapter 5, verse 11. We know the story. Ananias and Sapphira has oh, just yes. sold their land. Yep. Okay? Mm -hmm. They have sold their land. 
it was at that point in time where the church was getting together, people were selling their properties, coming and sharing in everything that they had. So Barnabas, actually, had also sold his land and he brought everything. So Ananias and Sapphira uh, went and sold their property. But husband and wife, they agreed to keep a piece of the amount of the total amount, once one, one amount, a part of the amount they kept. Then they showed up to the apostles and they gave a part of the sale and told the apostles, they told Peter, that this was the full amount of the sale of the property. Now, Peter was not there with them. No. But he gets a word of knowledge. Mm. He knows what they did. Mm. How would he know? I'll talk about word of knowledge in a moment. So, he knows what God opens a curtain because God was there when they were doing it. God knew what there was in their heart when they were doing it. He opens a curtain and so now Peter knows what they did. Now, Peter must do something with this piece of information. And he must be trying to achieve a certain result. What is he trying to achieve? Repentance, I would have thought. Not necessarily. Or confession of some sort? No. no. Wait, wait. Yeah, first of all, yes. First step, confession. Mm. Second step, the fear of God, because if this kind of stuff was not dealt with, mm. this young, nascent church could have ended up with all sorts of messiness, of sinfulness all over the place. Mm. Now, I know today people who may disagree with what Peter did, but God agreed with him. Peter looked at Adonai and said, hey, when you sold the property, was not the money yours? Well, before you sold it, it was yours, wasn't it? When you sold it, you could have kept the full amount. Nobody would have asked you anything. Mm. When you came here and you told us that this was the full amount, you knew you were not telling the truth. Why is Satan corrupted your heart so that you come and lie to the Holy Spirit? Mm. You've not lied to me. The one you lied to is just told me. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, you will be gone. Mm. That's it. Ananias dropped dead instantly. Mm. And then his wife walking. And Peter goes through the same process. She and her husband had agreed to lie. Yeah. So he had to do something. He had to make, okay, what could have been the decision? Today you could have said, well, just, just you know, excommunicate them or, you know, just send them out and you know, tr pursue them. to. Uh, to yeah, that's a course of action. Yeah. But Peter chose a course of action that instilled, when you read the text, as he said to her, the feet of people who just taken, taken your husband have just gone. That's, they just, they've just left. So they will take you too. She drops dead. And the Bible says the fear of God, the reason for doing it, mm. instilled the fear of God in the early church. And God increased the numbers of those who were being added to them. You can see that everybody now was uh, people sold their property, they knew mm -mm, you do that there, there's a consequence. Yeah. You see? And so here is just the wisdom of God right there. But, you know, with the word of knowledge attached. Let me, let me define word of knowledge then, then to you real quick. Yeah? Yeah. Where, uh, word of knowledge is the definition, working definition is pretty much the same. Utterance given by God and spoken by an individual, must be spoken. It reveals the total knowledge of God. Uh, it is seeing what God sees in a situation and informing and announcing it to the one God wants to inform for the sake of either it could be repentance, uh, it could be encouragement, uh, it could be for healing, uh, and so on and so forth. There are all sorts of reasons why word of knowledge can be given. Mm. Let's take 
few examples in the Old Testament. Most, most of these, these gifts, you notice they work in clusters. Where the knowledge, with, with, in case of your Peter and uh, Ananias, yes. yeah. uh, you can see uh, word of knowledge, Jesus knowing what they were thinking. And then, you know, answer them. Uh, here's another one for Jesus knowing what they were thinking, uh, which I'll get to in a moment. No, let me, let me not give that one until <laughs> I get to the New Testament. I don't want to go be ahead of myself. Second Samuel chapter 12. Story known really well. David had just taken somebody else's wife mm -hmm. and has tried to hide the consequence of his sin because the woman had gotten pregnant, Bathsheba. <clears throat> and now that he knows, he's like, well... Uriah is at, at, in, in the battlefield. We're going to ask, whose pregnancy is this? So it's going to be known that the king went behind Uriah's back. This is going to be bad for my reputation. So what do I do? Bring Uriah back to hide my sin. Send him home so that they will think that the child was Uriah's child. Uriah comes back and says, my king, I can't go sleep at my house in peace when all my mates are still in the field. Mm. He sleeps at the king's door. The king is like, my plan is not working. All right, what should I do? He then devised the worst of all plans. He sends a letter with Uriah to Joab, and he says, put him in the front line, let him be killed. Look at that. Yeah. Jo Joab does not know what has Uriah done to the king. He does not know. He's a man in the military service. He obeys his king. He puts Uriah at the front line, Uriah is dead. You see what I mean? Yeah. And so this entire picture, what has happened? Bathsheba hears that Uriah is dead. But Bathsheba does not know how and why Uriah is dead. Joab knows that Uriah has been decided to be dead by the king, but does not know why Uriah should die. Mm. In this entire piece of the puzzle, only one person knows the full truth, David. Mm. He knows that he's the one who's... Bathsheba just knows I've slept with the king and I'm pregnant. All right? My husband came home, didn't come to the house, and went back to the floor and he's dead. Only David knows the full picture. And guess who else knows the full picture? God. God. Mm. So, what does God do? He gives a word of knowledge to prophet Nathan. He tells Nathan, because he can see, see, remember, gift of revelation, God opens a curtain and he brings you back into what he knows mm. and how he does things. So that then the person who's got this gift can then operate from God's standpoint. See what I mean? Mm. So, Nathan knows the whole picture now. Yes. Nathan goes to see David with the whole picture. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but Nathan thinks to himself, mm. this kind of situation requires the gift of wisdom. Yeah. Because if I don't have wisdom here, even though what I'm giving is God's given word, I will be dead after giving it. Mm -hmm. And I believe Nathan got the gift of wisdom from God too. Yeah. So Nathan shows up to the king and he said to him, my king, there's someone who's in the kingdom. He had one sheep. There's another one who had many. And the man who had many had a guest. And he went and took the sheep of the man who had only one. And then he cooked for his guest. And then when the man who had one wanted to, uh, no, no, the man who had many killed him. David's his, uh, his indignation is into the roof. So the man like that must be dead. In my kingdom, yeah. And then Nathan goes, it's you, my king. <gasps> this is called prophetic you, wisdom. You would hold your breath, wouldn't you, after he'd said that? Think about it. He had just said, the man who does that must die. Yep. Once he's told that it is him, 
May the Lord have mercy on me. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> when it was someone else, they must die. You see, human beings are very fickle. Mm. So it took the wisdom of God to reveal what was in David's heart. If David had been confronted without that piece of wisdom, being given the situation a third person, he would have killed, he would have, think about it, he'd already killed Uriah. Why wouldn't he just organize, you know, get, get Nathan killed? Mm. Then nobody would know. Mm. But the wisdom of God, what to say, how to say it, when to say it, where to say it, to whom to say it, and why. Mm. And so, word of knowledge and word of wisdom right there in the picture. You see what I mean? Yeah. They seem to fly well together too, they? They do, they do. Yeah. And so, I'll give you, I give you, uh, you know, uh, one, one more um, uh, piece of scripture. Let's, let's go back to that uh, tax paying. Jesus knowing what they were thinking. You know, it was not, it was not playing mind games. <laughs> you know, Jesus was God. And would we agree Jesus operated in the gift of the Spirit? Yeah, Jesus was anointed by the Spirit, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He did everything that he did by the Holy Ghost. He came from the witness, the Holy Spirit has anointed me. You know, so the ministry of Jesus was the ministry by the Holy Spirit. So he yeah. operated in his gifts. You know, once they came and asked him a question, apart from the tax question, hey, should we pay tax? He knew what they were thinking. Here's another one. They came and asked him, by whose authority are you doing this? And he said, well, by whose authority is John doing what he's doing? They pulled themselves aside like, if we say it's by God's authority, he's going to say, but why don't you believe in me? If we say uh, that John it doesn't come from God, people will kill us, right? Yeah. So what do we do? They say, we don't know. <laughs> Disingenuous liars. <laughs> we don't know. Mm. Ah, Jesus is like, well, since you can't tell me, I won't tell you either. Mm. You see, wisdom will guide you. Now, this word of wisdom is not just simply going to operate only in your sort of, you know, church context when you are in the assembly. I mean, word of wisdom can operate, you know, even when it is in, um, you know, in other environments. Okay? Other environments. You're being trapped. You know, somebody sends something to try to get you, and you can basically go, no, 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 the wisdom of God requires here that I, you know, give the right answers. What to say, what to do, and so on, for, for uh, you know, doing it in the right way at the right moment. So, that is the two examples that I would like us to sort of hold. I can give more. I can give this. There's tons of these. Uh, um, uh, you know, let, let me... Um, Look at giving you uh, another, uh, you know, example of word of knowledge. Yeah? Mm -hmm. you, you ready for me? Okay. So, here is, Mary has just received uh, the, you know, the the good... Um, the message about... Message. From, from uh, the angel that she was going to have a baby. Yes. Yeah. And she is, you know, she's pregnant. Yeah. And she goes to see Elizabeth, right? Yeah. She goes to see Elizabeth. And when she gets there, the Bible says that as she greets Elizabeth, suddenly the child in Elizabeth's womb, <laughs> that's John, yeah. to the greeting of Mary. And Jumps. suddenly, yeah. suddenly Mary, uh, Elizabeth, I mean, did John, as a baby in the womb, say to her, there is a savior in that tummy? No. <laughs> mm. The child shook. And suddenly, Elizabeth started to talk about Mary being the mother of the Lord. Mm. Who informed Elizabeth about that? Mm. It is reasonable to say the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because it's by the Holy Spirit that she started prophesying. 
So the Holy Spirit, that's a gift of, he knew what was happening in Mary's womb. He knew what was in there. He told Elizabeth. Elizabeth was informed by the angel who knew what had happened. Uh, Mary was informed by an angel what was happening to Elizabeth, which Mary did not know. Mm. So, word of knowledge means God opened the curtain and shows you what he knows so that then you can operate on that basis. All right. Well, these, these flow beautifully together and we're going to uh, have a look at the last one. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And we're on the home run. I don't think we're going to make it <laughs> to be able to cover everything you wanted to say today. So we, we'll probably have to splash across to next Sunday. But anyway, I'll let you continue. Yeah, so we were sort of going to look at the Sermon of Spirit, which is a, a big one. And that one needs a lot more, you know, elaborating. But I thought, how about we answer the question as, I, as we headed toward the end of the program? Uh you remember, I did mention that the um, these gifts, whether it's word of wisdom or word of knowledge, uh, they have the purpose of building up. Okay, like all the other gifts, the build up can be to reveal somebody's sin so that they can be led to repentance. David. Yeah. Okay. Um, or oh, Ananias and Sapphira, they could have been repented, but they they didn't, unfortunately. Um, you can, you know, this. Gifts uh, can also be for the sake of finding something that was lost. I actually hadn't mentioned this. There is this, an interesting story in First Samuel chapter nine, uh, when Saul is going looking for the donkeys of his father. Oh yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Let's go and see the seer. Let's go and see Samuel." Now Samuel is a prophet. He wasn't there where the donkeys were, and the donkeys were lost. In those days, they went to consult the prophet, and, and they called the seer. And when they got there, Samuel told them, hey, don't worry about the donkeys. They're found. They went there with the purposeful intention of seeking to find where the donkeys were. Mm. Why is that something odd? Does God know where things are? Yeah. I mean, is it? Is it I mean, I've heard somebody say, well, well, it's silly to ask God, where is my, you know, donkey? Well, I do, I do it all the time. Yeah. but And he always tells me. And always. that's the thing. I, I mean, there's this, I don't know where this comes from, mm. uh, you know. Saul went to ask where the donkeys were. And so why would we not think it's silly to ask God, Lord, I've lost this. Where is it? Does he see everywhere? Does that diminish him? No. Well, no. Mm. Oh, no, but no, that's silly. No, hang on a minute. You've got a problem asking God that kind of question. It's fine. You're happy to ask him for bread. You have to ask him for a new job. You're happy to ask him for all those other stuff. All the big stuff, the little stuff you think is probably inconsequential. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. But mm. what may be small to you may be big to someone else. Yeah. So don't be now the determiner of what it is. You can, so God can open the curtain and say, hey, daughter, son, I know where the donkeys are. Yeah. So for the purpose of finding out where the donkeys were, and Saul went looking for donkeys, guess what? He met with royalty that day. Because mm. some Samuel told him, now, look, you did come here for donkeys, but I've got something bigger to announce to you. You know, God has chosen you to be the... Now, you can say so God's sovereignty led him there. Yes, but people who believe in God's sovereignty, don't they believe God is sovereign over every decision? Yeah. Even the decision for me to ask him where I've lost my donkeys or my car keys or whatever. And so, you know, I've actually... It's, this has been you know, a very common occurrence in our house as well, where, where you, know, you don't know where something... I mean, is it silly to say, Lord, where is this? I was actually thinking 
over the years, the more you ex- exercise a gift, mm. the better you get at it. Yeah. You see, it's a gift. You're given it. But the more you use it, the, the, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, you know, sharpen the gifts of God you receive. How does he do that? It's a matter of practice. That which you practice, you better it. Mm. And what is sometimes interesting is you see people who, they, they may, even the working knowledge of Scripture, in terms of these gifts, they may not have it really as much. They just are against them. And then they want to lecture people who actually have been exercising the gifts. Uh, and that becomes a bit more tricky. It's, it goes for us to be humble. Mm. And so, so when the charismatic movement started, it was so demonized at the time. But now, actually, when you look even across the mainstream uh, Christian uh, denominations, there is now no denying that actually the Holy Spirit is still at work right now. Yes. Now, it's not just simply Scripture and how it reveals a portion of Scripture that is actually active and it can talk to us today. Yeah. He can give us an instruction. I was giving an, a, an example last time. One of my heroes, Arsis Pro, is a reformed, most, one of the most respected reformed theologians, a hero of mine. Uh, his book, The Holiness of God, is one of the greatest reading uh, on the topic I've ever read. But here is R.C. When it, in the book, it tells you how this journey started. He was asleep and he said, just like that, the Holy Spirit woke him up from his sleep. Mm. Put his feet and he said, I was like I was carried got out of the, his room where he was sleeping in the, at the, in the seminary, went into the sanctuary. He says, it's like I was carried, it was cold. But when I got in, I just was overwhelmed by the sense of the presence of the holiness of God. And the first scripture that came to mind was the calling of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the days when King Uzziah died, I see the Lord sitting on his throne. And that becomes a big, big journey. He was known as the preacher of the holiness of God. Mm. Amazing man. Mm. See, the Holy Spirit was still at work right here. Yeah. All right. So, um, for the sake of, you know, uh, finding things, uh, for the sake of warning to safety, remember, you know, uh, Elisha, second king, used to hear what was happening in the council of the king over there, uh, and then informing to the king of Israel. And the last, I will say, sometimes for providing uh, healing. Uh, no, no, that was not last. That was uh, second last. And the last one is to reveal the thoughts of people's heart. Jesus did that all the time. All the time. So these two gifts that we've talked about set you on the path. How, are you gonna, how do you know you've got the gift and how does it operate? That's the question for next week. That's the question for next week. So thank you very much, Samuel, for all of those uh, who enjoyed the program. Uh, you can interact with it online. Uh, otherwise, we will catch up with you all again next week.